Hello and welcome to the Unapologetic Moms Club. I'm your host Janine McKinnon from unapologeticmotherhood.com. I'm a mom of two, community leader, multiple small business owner, and your personal mama bear cheerleader. We're here to dig into the deep shit to help you feel empowered and give you the tools to break free from patriarchal standards and create a life you not only survive, but thrive in. We'll chat self-care, women's health, sex, relationships, plant medicine, personal development, and so much more so you can rock it in your unique mom life and beyond. Without further ado, let's dig in. Hello, and welcome to another episode inside the Unapologetic Moms Club. I'm your host, Janine McKinnon, and I'm so excited to be here today with Joe Coral from This Is A Vulva to talk about all things vulvas. Woohoo! So let's just jump right in it and hear a little bit about who you are, what your mission is, and why you love educating women about vulvas. Absolutely. So yeah, hi everybody. Um, I'm Jo. I set up a campaign called This Is A Vulva, I think in 2016. I was thinking before we started recording, I should really remember what time, when I actually started this project. Um, but it happened after I went to um, a big event we have in the UK, but they're all over the world now. It's called Women of the World and it's a big feminist festival. And I saw a talk and it was all about how we just don't know very much about vulvas. We don't see them anywhere. If you ever see graffiti, it's always a dick and balls just graffitied on tables, on walls and whatever. You just never see vulvas anywhere at all. So it sort of started off as a tiny bit of a joke, just sort of trying to put more vulvas out on the internet. Um, But it really quickly evolved into something a lot more serious. So I started finding out information like nine-year-olds in the UK were asking for labiaplasty on the NHS. So labiaplasty is when you um, have plastic surgery to alter the the look and the shape of your vulva. Um, And nine-year-olds, I mean, when I was nine, I was still playing in the garden, like making my pies and talking to imaginary friends. I was absolutely no way thinking about what my genitalia looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also other statistics. So um, at the time we were at a five-year low for for attending smear tests which when people were asked why you're not attending they would say things like oh I'm just really embarrassed about how I look or I think I smell bad or I look wrong a wrong was the word that was used quite a lot and obviously there's no such thing as wrong when it comes to genitalia and if you do think that you have a strong smell then there might actually be something wrong in which case going and speaking to a doctor would be super helpful but people have such an embedded shame around the genitals that the idea of anybody going anywhere near them was just too much for them. And smear tests are so important. They help prevent cervical cancer. So for people to not be attending a smear test because they're worried about how the genitals look just break my heart, basically. So Mm -hmm. I thought what I need to do is do more education around vulvas um first of all getting people to understand what a vulva is and isn't so it's uh, most people would refer to it as the vagina but the vagina is the inside it's a muscular tube it's where you would put uh, tampons menstrual cups fingers sex toys penises um the vulva is everything on the outside so anything that you can see anything that touches your underwear that's the vulva so starting out with quite simple uh, information like that information that so many people don't no, because our sex education around the world is so poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
trying to tackle why people think their vulvas look quote unquote wrong. And it's often when people have larger labia or asymmetrical labia. And this is all absolutely normal. So there was a, a survey done and about 73% of labia, the inner labia, <clears throat> you can see it protrudes out of the outer labia. Um, so an outie rather than an Um but the majority of people, if you ask them, would think that most vulvas are the other way around. It, it's You can't see anything hanging out. It's all very smooth and flat, but it's the complete opposite. But we only it's because we only see vulvas in um, mainstream porn or if they've been, a lot of those might have had labiaplasty or if you see them in magazines, they've often been photoshopped in the same way that bodies and faces have been. So we've got this completely you warped view of what... about that. Photoshopping yes. labias. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you ever see things like um, uh, bikinis or underwear being um, sold, the, the crotch will be photoshopped to look smooth, which normally if you're wearing pants, you might have um, a bulge for pubic hair, your clitoris, your labia, all those things will create lumps and bumps. Mm-hmm. But they smooth it out like a, like a Barbie doll. And it's just giving us, again, very unrealistic expectations of what, of what we should look like. Um, so that is what This is a Vulva is all about. It's all about education around the vulva, but also celebration of the vulva. It's a fantastic part of our bodies. And whilst I think that self-love is, is difficult and it's sometimes another stick that women are beaten over the head with of like, you must love yourself. And actually, that's really hard to do, you know, like actually sometimes just self-acceptance is is a big enough step in, in itself that it's absolutely understand their bodies, not be ashamed or embarrassed of them, and just seeing them as another normal part of themselves that they just don't need to be ashamed of. That's a long-winded way of telling you <laughs> exactly what this is evolver is all about. I love that. And it aligns so much with everything we do here at Unapologetic Motherhood is through having these conversations about all of these topics that we can normalize these things, Mm. normalize each other's experiences, be validated through the similarities, and then learn different things to help us in our journey, whatever that may be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've got very, very aligned values then. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's just dig right into it with the full anatomy of vulvas. Sure. So if you can picture a vulva, at the top, you've got the like the kind of fatty mound on the top of like the like if you're looking directly at a body full on. So you've got like the belly button facing towards you. The lowest bit that you can see will be like a fatty mound that will have hair covering it. That's your um, pu- mons pubis or like a pubic mound. And that is, it's that shape. It's that kind of fatty mound for a reason. It's to help um, protect your genitals. So it's to help um, if you ever like, like walk into a chair, for example, it's to stop you from hitting your genitalia full on. So we have protection, know, guys don't we have. We have protection, <laughs> absolutely. It's like a nice little cushion just there so that you don't hurt yourself. Um, and then if you're imagining a view uh, of, of a vulva sort of between the legs at the top, you've got the clitoris. Um, and what a lot of people think about the clitoris is that it's almost like a little button that's just at the top. But actually, it, in on average, the clitoris is around the third of a length of the, of the entirety of the vulva. So if you think from top to bottom, a good third of that could be the clitoris. And so it's not just this little button or a little circle that you sort of draw at the top of the vulva it's very much an integral part of the vulva 
Um, and the clitoris itself extends uh, two thirds more of it is underneath that you can't see. It extends right down. It reaches into the top of your thighs and wraps around the vaginal opening. And that's why the clitoris is just so amazing. There's so much underneath that we don't see that can give us lots of lovely sensations. Mm-hmm. Um, so below the clitoris, um, you've got, uh, well, around the clitoris, you've got the outer labia or the labia majora. Um, I don't really like the term labia majora because it makes it sound like you've got labia majora and labia minora. So major, big, minora, small. And that's where we have the same idea coming from that mm. the inner labia should be small, should should not be seen. So I prefer outer and inner labia. Um, so the outer labia, they're the ones that hair grows on and the inner labia are hairless um, and they're much more delicate skin. Um, inside that, you've got what is the, um, the vestibule, which I think is just such a great term. I didn't realise that my vulva had a vestibule. It's like a, a waiting area for the vagina. I just think it's a really nice little <laughs> natural term. Um, and then within the vestibule, you'll have, um, you'll have the urethra which is where you pee from. And it's a really tiny hole and it can be really hard to see on yourself. Um, You'll also have the vaginal opening, which is the beginning of the vagina. And often what you'll see on on drawings is the clitoris, the urethra and the vaginal opening are very neatly spaced apart, like quite equally spaced. And obviously on a human body, that's that's not how it goes. The urethra can be anywhere within the vestibule. And in, in, in... in a fair number of cases, it can actually be just inside the uh, vagina as well. So the urethra could be anywhere within there. Oh, and it's, interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's really good to know where your urethra is because the amount of times that we have to go and do like peeing in a bottle at the doctor's, trying to work out where on earth you're going to pee from, you get it covered all over your hands, dribbles on yep. the bottle. Like if you can know where your urethra is, it will save you a whole lot of hassle when you go to the doctor's. Um, oh, interesting very good point yeah. uh, office, it is not a clean situation yeah. doing that. <laughs> um, and then underneath that you've got the uh, perineum which is the small bit of skin uh, between the bottom of the vulva and the, and the anus and that's something that you have from both um both sexes so um that's kind of the whole anatomy of the vulva but if you go to um my instagram page which is just this is a vulva i've got loads of um drawings and paintings and and uh nice diagrams of what vulvas look like but my issue has always been that diagrams can be great and can be quite informative but never show you what an actual human body looks like and the difference between vulvas is just Dynamous in the same way that one person's face is completely different to another person's face, vulvas are exactly the same. Um, so I run uh, a class called uh, Labia Lessons, which I run online or face to face in London. And um, within that, I show lots of photos of actual real life vulvas mm-hmm. because we so rarely see non sexualized vulvas. If we ever see a vulva, it's probably going to be in porn or it's going to be at school showing you some terrible STI where everything's blistered and covered in pus, which is just so unrealistic anyway with STIs. Yeah. And you're not um, doing much looking at those either. It's that scare, no. oh, right? Yeah, you're like, oh my God, look away, that's revolting. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting to, to get people's reactions to actually seeing uh, vulvas in real life. But it also just means that when you look at yours, you're much more likely to think, oh, okay, I, I kind of understand how they differ and how they're similar. Whereas with the diagram, they're often so splayed open as well, which again, if you were just to look between your legs, it's not, that's not mm-hmm. what vulvas look like. They 
Yeah, but I, I've obviously taken loads of photos of my vulva for all different sorts of projects over the years, and it looks pretty different on in each picture. It just very much depends on how like my labia is sitting that day, how far my legs are open, like what mm-hmm. what the pubic hair situation is. Like it really it can change on a on a day to day basis. It's I think it's really important actually to to understand what your vulva looks like. And I, I encourage people to do monthly checks of their vulva. So I have a, a free email that you can sign up to just, and I just send you an email the first day of the month just to remind you to check your vulva, explain how to do it and what you're looking for. And the reason I think this is so important is because it gives us a bit more ownership over our own bodies. If we know what's normal for us, then we know if something has gone wrong. So if there's a rash or a new mole or a mole has changed size or colour or there's a little tear or there's a change in the colour of your vulva, you can then go to the doctor quite confidently and say, this wasn't here last month. Can you have a look and see if anything is anything wrong? Um, Which is then just super helpful because if you look at your vulva once and it's itchy and there's a lump and you've no idea that lump was there before or not, it's really hard to then know whether there could be something that needs to be looked into or not. So I think it's really important to understand how your body, what it looks like and how it changes as well. Yeah, that's such a good point. And up until going to your website, I had never heard of vulva checks before. You frequently (laughs) hear about breast checks for breast cancer, um, but you never hear about vulva checks. Um, So we'll we'll do some links um, to your email for that. Um, But what is kind of part of the process you recommend people going through when doing these vulva checks? And I'm going to bend down just to shoo my dog because I can hear the snoring on this recording. So (laughs) that looks weird. That's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Uh, So vulva checks. They're really quite simple. It should only really take five minutes. Um, and it, depending on sort of uh, your how your body works and what sort of positions you feel comfortable in, there's lots of different ways of doing it. So ideally you need a mirror, which is the easiest way. And you can either lie back on your bed with your legs apart and look between your legs with a mirror. And or so then you could also squat over a mirror, which only really works if you've got good thigh muscles, which I do not. So I do no <laughs> squatting. I'm lying on the bed. Yeah, watch your area for falling over. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Or if you've got like a a mirror that goes down to the floor, you can kind of sit back on your the back of your bum or lie on your back with your with your legs up and and having a look in the mirror that way. Um, If any of those don't really work for you, or even sitting on a chair and you can kind of shuffle right forward and and have a look that way. If none of those work, you can use your camera to take pictures, but it's it's easier to sort of look at it in real life, so to speak. And all you're doing is just having a look and having a feel around to check that there's no sore patches, there's no itchiness, there's nothing, there's no lumps or bumps or tears or new moles or um, if the skin has changed colour slightly or if it's gone a bit scaly or dry, um, uh, yeah, any changes in colour. And also looking at discharge as well, like is, is your dis- has your discharge changed um recently is it um thicker does it have a different smell is there any blood in it like what color is it are you getting a lot more than you normally do are you getting a lot less than you normally do um any of those sorts of things any of those changes you know our bodies go through fluctuations all the time so any of these things they don't all necessarily mean oh my god I definitely you know there's something to really worry about but it's just good to keep an eye on it because sometimes with a lot of um STIs or STDs 
they have quite subtle um, symptoms. A lot of them have no symptoms at all. So it's really looking out for, for little changes. But lots of things like vulval cancer, for example, which isn't, you know, there isn't a lot of it around, but you can spot it. You can see things changing in advance. And because a vulva is between your legs rather than penises are kind of on the front of your body. So you can see them a lot easier. You're a lot more aware if something has changed. It's quite unusual for most of us to have looked at our own vulvas. So it's quite hard to, to recognize changes when they happen. It's only if you feel pain or itchiness that you think, oh, I want to have a look. But actually there are some symptoms that, that could precede that. So the color changes, for example, which are really important to, to get to know. And it should only really take, yeah, five minutes. You're just kind of touching, feeling around. Um, and that's it, really. It doesn't take very long. It doesn't need to be scary in the same way that checking your breasts are. It's exactly the same thing. Once you get into a habit of doing it, it's um, it's quite simple. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely simple. something that people don't do. Yeah, and something you can easily do, like, right after you hop out of the shower, before you start getting ready, just have a good Absolutely. check to really be on top of your health absolutely definitely because what I found a lot of people have said is that their their partner has noticed things in them before they've noticed because if if you think about it if you've got a partner that is going down on you they're going to be they're seeing what you don't see and they're seeing it a lot more often and they they have sometimes said to them oh you know you've got um there's like a rash here or it's like changed color or it's changed shape or there's a lump um and if you've got a partner that will do the checks for you like fantastic yeah. and if you can then evolve that into some orgasms and some sex and even better but you know we need to be doing these things on our own terms too <laughs> yeah so being proactive about it absolutely yeah. Um, now I would love to circle back to discharge. Um, that's another thing that really get gravitated me towards your account to begin with was mm. when you did your big discharge gallery. And I know as a young girl, I was not taught whatsoever as discharge. And I remember being, I don't know, 13, 14 and my mom and nothing against her like she just also didn't have the education either asked me if I was like cleaning properly because she mm -hmm. noticed how there would be like a bit of staining in my underwear and so mm. that was outside of her experience so she was just trying to help me but then I had a lot of shame around discharge mm. kind of going forward and noticing some discoloration in underwear and hiding that and being quiet about it and so and along with everything we've been talking about and having these conversations and normalizing these things let's get into discharge what Absolutely. is the normal range what's its function when does it happen let's hear it all yeah well I mean just to say I had the exact same thing when I was growing up I didn't know what it was my mum again through no fault of her own didn't really talk to me about that um it wasn't mentioned in sex education friends were absolutely not talking about it It was only in my late 20s that I remember bringing discharge up really nervously thinking no one has ever talked about this and we're a group of like feminist women that talk about a lot of stuff and yet we do not talk about discharge then you bring it up and everyone's like oh my god me too I've got loads of it isn't it annoying yes <laughs> think, oh my god we could have talked about this years ago and we would all have been a lot less self-conscious um so yeah discharge is your vagina's way of cleaning itself so you should never, ever, ever stick anything up inside your vagina to clean it. You don't need to put water or soap or I've seen things like brushes and exfoliating wipes and oh, mm -hmm. the, ugh, awful. No, you do not need no. that. Your, your vagina cleans itself and it's using discharge or sometimes it's called cervical mucus. Um, it's produced both by the cervix, which is at the top of the vagina or through the vaginal walls as well. 
and it essentially kind of picks up any germs anything that's in there that shouldn't be in there any um like I don't know any residue from sex or anything like that and it just um then comes out it comes out through your vagina and it's in your pants um or underwear as you say in the (laughs) over there um and it's super normal but it's also um it's a really good indicator of um health but also fertility as well so your discharge will change throughout the month sometimes it's uh, creamier sometimes it's drier and stickier sometimes it's more runny sometimes it's um more see-through than white um sometimes it can be pink or red or brown if it's sort of at the beginning or the end of your period because um it's got a bit of blood in it but not enough to be quite red but it can change and the brown is where the blood has um so your vagina is a little bit acidic which is also your discharge is a bit acidic too and if you put acid with blood it turns it brown so that's why you might have brown discharge um and the acidity of the discharges will also would stain your pants so it doesn't stain everybody's pants um i've got a friend who her pants are all completely stained because of discharge whereas mine it seems to like eat holes in the fabric so it doesn't stain it but i've got little tiny holes in the in like all oh. of my pants where it's like eaten through the garden <laughs> so discharge it's it's different you know again each body is different but there are kind of certain patterns that it all follows so if your discharge is ever um has a really foul, strong smell to it, is ever quite chunky, or if it's yellow or green or orange, there are times when you've got to go to a doctor and see if there's could be something um, something amiss. And even kind of like grey and watery, that can be um, a sign of certain infections as well. Mm. Um, but otherwise, discharge is a totally normal occurrence. And some people have loads of it and some people have barely any and it changes throughout not just your menstrual cycle but throughout your life so as you go through puberty um as you go through pregnancy it changes a lot of my friends have had babies and I'm sure people listening here would have noticed it would have been a lot more and a lot more watery um and then um yeah postpartum it's different again as you go through the menopause it's different again and your discharge will kind of um get less and less as as you grow older um yeah some people I know they wake up in the morning and it will be like as soon as they stand up it will be sort of dripping out and dribbling down their legs and it's it feels you know it's a lot more than what other people have which is well Mm -hmm. I have a friend whose sister I was at a hen party with her she was wearing just um leggings and a top and I was like oh I can't even like see the underwear that you're wearing and she was like oh I'm not wearing any underwear and she was wearing like khaki colored um leggings and I was like but if you're not wearing any pants and what is happening to your discharge like how like surely everyone will to see it through your leggings she was like oh I just I just don't really get any and I remember thinking oh I'm so jealous you bitch I can't see it I have so much (laughs) So when I was younger, I used to kind of stuff my pants with toilet roll because I just, I always felt quite damp and um, just doesn't, it makes you feel quite self-conscious. So I was always very um, nervous about like taking my pants off in front of friends or partners because you would just see at the end of the day, it would be, you know, be wet or it'd be crusty or it'd be like white. And because no one spoke about it, I just assumed nobody else really had it or had it as much. Mm-hmm. Um and then I realised, having spoken to more people about discharge, it really lets people think, oh, OK, it's normal. I don't have to be so worried about it. And I thought, do you know what? I'm putting all these photos of boulders out there. But actually, the other thing that we're worried about is discharge. So if I can actually get people to see 
what discharge looks like from person to person, then hopefully we'll all realise at a bit of a younger age, oh, it's fine, this is what happens if, you know, this is what my pants are like at the end of the day, that's fine. So I asked my followers to send in photos of their pants at the end of the day with varying amounts of discharge. There was no, you know, there's no qualification for it. It was just a case of if it's healthy discharge, I want to see it. And I had quite a lot of people sending pictures of their pants into me. So I made it into a gallery on my website um, and to encourage people to have a look and and to realise that whatever their pants look like at the end of the day, it's it's normal. Like it's very, very likely to be normal, whether it's, you know, completely soaking or barely there. And from the feedback that I've had, it really has helped a lot of people realise just how normal um, discharge is. I've even had one woman who was in her 50s who messaged to say, like, thank you so much. Like, I always sort of knew it was normal, but I always just assumed that I was a bit abnormal. And now in my 50s, having seen all these pictures, I've realised that actually it's just there is nothing different about my discharge than anybody else's. And I just thought, oh, fantastic. That is exactly what I wanted, was just give people a bit of a peace of mind about something that society has shown us to be so... Um, ashamed of or like we're dirty and vulvas and vaginas just forever have been seen as something dirty something that needs to be controlled something that needs to be needs to need to buy special washes to make it smell like flowers and we have to do all this stuff to make people like be attracted to us and want to be near our near our vaginas and it's all bullshit like that's just not what bodies are like and what annoys me the most is that you don't see the same for penises you don't have testicle washes you don't have penis scrubs like I mean you can get vulval masks like a like a face mask like to put on your face like not like a covid mask like a beauty mask you get them for vulvas now like I mean it's unnecessary and it's dangerous Mm. because it's introducing so many more chemicals and things to uh, uh, your vulva which you just don't need and it's such a gentle balance down there that you really need to not be disrupting it with all of these products that are so unnecessary mm-hmm. and what's worse is they're adding they're adding fire to the fuel the fuel to the fire that that vulvas and vaginas are dirty and need to be changed and whitened and tightened and brightened mm-hmm. so that somebody might find us attractive absolute nonsense it drives me it drives me it drives me mad and poor pe- young people today having to like see all these products that are up for sale to make their genitals better I just it's such an awful um it's an awful thing to be being told to be being seen to you know if you go to go to your supermarket and you see all these washes to make your vulva smell like pineapple and flowers and whatever you just think oh my god it's a vulva it needs to smell like a vulva that's fine like Yeah. yeah it just yeah breaks my heart so that's me having another rant about it yes no but with bringing in that comment you had um from the 50 year old woman that shows the power of having these conversations that woman I'm sure there's many out there like her went decades of having the self-consciousness having these different thoughts and so we're definitely going to be linking that um discharge gallery and of course your Instagram for everyone to check out and I encourage 
encourage everyone to bookmark the discharge gallery. So when your daughters are at the age that it seems right, please show it to them so they can start right from the beginning knowing the normal range and that all these differences are okay and there's no need to be self-conscious. Um, and then with the wanting vulvas to be more attractive too, it just goes along with we need to find people who are attracted to us as human yes. beings and they're not going to give a shit about what our vulva looks like, right? Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's getting the next generation to understand that they just really don't need to worry about those things. And I think if we can talk about sex and our bodies in a much more neutral, ideally positive, but neutral is a great place to start way and I think that will really help and I I, I think language is really key for this so mm -hmm. um I was explaining earlier the difference between vagina and vulva and um I know still lots of people I know who know like know me know the work I do know that a vulva is a vulva and a vagina is a vagina will still use the word vagina to mean vulva and it seems to come from this kind of embarrassment to use the word mm -hmm. and what I found is that um I always ask people, what did you call your genitals when you were younger? And we have all of these words that are just nonsense, silly words. And they're all like, um, like foo-foo, mini, um, lady garden, uh, downstairs. Um, like some of them are quite funny. So I've heard the gruffalo or like the rude triangle. So like some of them make me laugh, but, and I don't have a problem with people um, choosing to use any of those words as long as they do know what the correct terminology is and not just for the vulva in general but for all the individual bits and pieces so the labia the clitoris um, so that if anything does they do need to go speak to a doctor they can they can accurately talk like know what they're talking about but also it's if you're with a partner you want to tell them what to do if you if you've got no words for that then it's impossible for you to tell somebody else what you like or what you want them to do um, what I find is that most of the words can be split either into like nonsense words that we've just made up that mean absolutely nothing or words that are quite like um, girly um, or like nature based. So things like about flowers and gardens and people use Mary, for example, as well in the UK, sometimes like words that are just very um, delicate and, and feminine. Um, and then you have words that are quite like either violent or pornographic or sexual, depending on how you feel about the word. So um, for example, like cunt or pussy or gash, like those sorts of words that for some people, they make them cringe and some people find them really empowering. And some of them people like in certain sexual situations, but in, in other situations. And it just feels like we're creating all these different ways of skirting around, just saying what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, we don't get embarrassed about talking about elbows or ears or eyelashes like your vulva is just another part of the body and th th if we can't talk about it you're implicitly giving the message to young people it's embarrassing it's shameful we don't talk about it and then if they've got any questions or or god forbid anything bad happens and they um they meet nasty people that do nasty things then they haven't got the language to be able to talk about it. And then that's a whole nother issue that's just so awful. And I, I really do think that it's important to teach young people what the correct terminology is. Um, and I know it's so, I've spoken to so many parents and it's it's been so difficult for all of them, even though they start off with the best intentions of wanting to talk about vulvas and penises, they get embarrassed because 
as a society, we've taught people it's embarrassing to use these words. It's embarrassing to talk about these things and it's a subject to be ashamed of. Um, and, you know, I don't have children, so I, I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, speak for parents. And I know it must be difficult, but I really would. I really would like to say if, if we can try and use the correct terminology, um, I think that's it's going to be so helpful and it's going to just start kids off with thinking what it's just a part of my body there's nothing to be ashamed about here and if I've got questions about it I can ask questions about it and I think that's a really healthy starting place for talking about bodies and sex and consent which I just think is absolutely crucial for for the rest of their lives I completely agree my kids are now two and a half and four I have a boy and a girl they both know right from the start just as you mentioned to me those body parts are the same as elbows or arms and so we go through there's vulva and vagina which right now my two and a half year old is very interested and I'm teaching her the difference of the areas because she used to say bum for the full thing but I'm no vulva and like she had heard vagina too which we've used and if she says vagina like no no, no, that's inside your yeah. vulvas, what's out front um, yeah. and having those conversations. And we've done an episode with Rosalia from Consent Parenting. Hi. And we walk through a lot of that too, because it's really important to normalize it and mm-hmm. not have that shame around it and be able to identify those icky feelings and icky situations uh, so you can go and ask for help and feel comfortable talking about those things with the safe adult Um, so it's very important um, to be able to identify those things absolutely Can, can I ask were you comfortable using those words before you had children or was it something you kind of almost had to um think consciously okay I, I want to make sure I use these words with my children therefore I'm, I'm going to start using them myself mm-hmm. like what what were the words that you used before um well I'd say in my journey I was never one to kind of name it anything odd I was taught taught vagina um yeah. and so that's what I had used um mm-hmm. but as we had discussed before we have hopped on to recording up until probably the last few years I don't even think I knew when I was pregnant it was since having kids and mm. doing more conversations and research that I actually learned what a vulva is yeah. I always just thought of it as vagina um yeah. and so in learning that difference um and having the conversation conversations around consent parenting and child sex abuse that's where I became more empowered and more knowledgeable about vulva compared to just vagina yeah absolutely I mean like I was saying to you before it's it's so common I I meet so many people that that don't know the difference and it's it's nothing to be ashamed of we just Mm -hmm. simply weren't taught about it most people's sex education is just rubbish if you've had it at all um and we can't we shouldn't be ashamed of what we don't know and if you don't know something it's because you haven't been taught it and I think it's um yeah, often people are kind of embarrassed to say they didn't know the difference. But I mean, so I knew the difference. But when I started this as a vulva, it was actually called this is a vagina because I thought people will know what vagina is. Therefore, it's it's they're going to understand it. If I go in from the beginning saying this is a vulva, people are going to be like, what are you what? talking about? I mean, I was on a date once with somebody who said to me, why do you keep talking about cars? And he thought I was talking about Volvos. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> talking about vulvas funny you know that's too funny go anywhere obviously 
but yeah, it's important to be able to identify, know these parts of our body, take control of our health and be empowered in our sexuality as well with all of that, because our vulvas can be magical things as well um, and give us some great pleasure yeah. too, which should be Absolutely. celebrated and not shamed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think often, so actually what has been so lovely about doing this as a Volvo is I have had messages in the past. I mean, I get messages from people all over the world, um, most of them asking questions about, am I normal? Am I normal? Is this normal? Um, to which the answer is almost always, yep, totally normal. Um, but what's been really lovely is is um, people who have got in touch saying, thank you so much for like showing all this stuff on Instagram like since following you I've realized that my body is totally normal and it's made me relax with my partner and one woman was telling me how she can now let her partner go down on her and she's relaxed enough to have orgasms and I just thought oh my god I'm just sitting in bed in my pants posting pictures of vulvas on the Instagram and it's giving you orgasms like that's amazing I don't even know you but I've helped you have orgasms like what a (laughs) what a thing to say like it's amazing so um yeah, and I think that is the case. It's once you've understood your body and you kind of remove some of that shame about it, you can be a lot more relaxed. And you know, I'm not saying that you're going to suddenly fall in love and with your body and be doing kind of like walking around without any clothes all the time. Um, <laughs> but if you can just feel a bit more comfortable and, and just know that, you know, my body is normal and people aren't I'm not going to take my pants off and people aren't going to be like oh my god what is that what have you got people are going to be like oh yeah great I want to get in there then I think it's just going to help people feel a lot more confident hopefully and and relaxed and and enjoy sex a lot more and I I think that's so key because sex can be such a lovely lovely experience and but it's so hard to enjoy it when you're in your head thinking about how you look or how you smell or how you taste and as soon as your brain goes there that's it for me anyway that's mm-hmm. it there's no way I'm having an orgasm I've just I've gone and um that's such a shame because it can be such a like you said such a joyful experience and it's it's ruined by the little voice in our head that's being fueled from society telling us constantly that women are dirty women are shameful and and actually to that point you know I I try and make sure that all of my content is is very inclusive and obviously I know that it's not just women that have vulvas and vaginas mm-hmm. and not all women have vulvas and vaginas so I do try really hard to make sure that all my language is inclusive of that um but I'm aware I just said woman so I wanted to just say that and apologize for what I just said because that wasn't quite correct well thank you I appreciate that and I appreciate how you work so hard at that and I do as well and we do slip up but we just keep trying and working at it and being as inclusive as we can absolutely yeah Um, So I'm winding up, say for someone who is very not familiar with their vulva, what are things we can do? Uh, We did check on the monthly checks, but how can we be more educated about our vulva and be more connected to it to feel more confident and empowered? Um, So to learn more about it, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say follow me on Instagram and find yes. out more about it. There's, there's so many fantastic um, sex and body positive um, Instagram accounts out there teaching what we didn't get taught in school. And I think the first thing to say is don't be ashamed that you don't know. Don't be embarrassed that you don't know. And if you feel like you don't know something, it's it's go out and try and learn it. There are places online Um yeah, my Instagram account, especially, will have lots of information. If you ever have any specific questions, just message me and I can point you in the right direction to some um, 
don't know, either it's a previous post or some learning somewhere else on the internet, some other education, um, we should always try and keep learning. Not knowing something, it shouldn't hold you back from trying to learn about something um, and never be embarrassed that you don't know because it's not our fault. Um, in terms of getting to, to kind of know and enjoy your vulva more, I'd say just it's a very slow, gentle journey. I think people often sort of want to go in and be all self-love and it can just scare you off, I think. I think it's very much a case of have a look, but have a look at your vulva in a bit when you've got a positive frame of mind, when you're relaxed, you've got an evening to yourself, you're feeling quite good about yourself. If you're having a negative day, having a look at your vulva and trying to understand what's happening down there is, is never going to work. So when you're feeling in a good mood, have a little look and explore um, masturbation and solo sex is a fantastic way of kind of getting to know your body, getting to know what you like, what you enjoy and what you don't like. And that's really helpful um, for, for your, um, your sex life in general. Um, and your sex life can be with yourself. Mine mostly is at the moment. So that's fine. Like sex life doesn't have to include another partner all the time. Um, but yeah, having a look and, and just getting to know what it looks like and getting to know what you enjoy. Um, and I mean, I like to spend quite a lot of time naked, but and it can be quite scary for some people, but I find it quite freeing. And what I have found, which is, this is maybe a step too far for most people, is I live on my own, so this is easier. But um, naked yoga, I just feel like doing stretches and like having Evolver out there, I just find it really um, liberating. There's not very many occasions where your vulva is unclothed. There's always something on your, you know, you're always wearing underwear, you're always wearing trousers or leggings or whatever. And it's mm. just, um, it can be really nice to just let let it out, let it free and sort of um, just enjoy, enjoy the different feelings. But I, I think, yeah, don't kind of, go rushing in thinking I'm going to love her today because that's probably unlikely <laughs> to happen it's a nice slow process in, in the same way that it is with learning to love or accept any other part of your body um it's about kind of accepting but also I really would say look find other vulvas to look at whether it's artwork or whether it's photographs um and you'll start to realize that there are so many different types of vulvas and no matter what yours looks like it is still beautiful it is still normal there will still be people out there that want to get their face right in it like there's there is no such thing as a abnormal vulva there is no such thing as an ugly vulva they're all so different and and they're all just perfectly normal Absolutely. I love it. What a great note to end that thought on. <laughs> yeah. And I was just going to say with like going through that journey and exploration, um, it's normal for it to feel really weird yes, and awkward. 100%. And even say you're going in to try some self-love and masturbation, you don't need to go in with a goal of no. having an orgasm it can just be exploratory yes. with yourself getting to know yourself and what feels good and there doesn't need to be a mission tied to it and Definitely. just exploring that curiosity both in that sense and through like you said looking at different vulvas and things like that yeah, so yeah. I know we have um, mentioned it but just again where can everyone find you so on Instagram, I'm at this is Evolva, and I have a website which is thisisevolver.com. And on there, you'll find um, 
a link to sign up for the free monthly check emails. Um, and also the discharge, discharge gallery is on there as well. And lots of other stuff as well that you can find out what I'm doing and, and more information. So please do follow me and get in touch if you have any questions. It is literally just me behind the little phone screen. It's not some big company. It will just be me and I will do my best to answer any questions that you have. Perfect. We'll have all of that linked. And thank you to everyone listening here, joining in on this conversation. And thank you so much, Joe, for taking the time to chat with us and oh, share you your knowledge. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us inside the Unapologetic Moms Club. Have questions or comments about this episode? Feel free to bring them to our Facebook group where we can connect and discuss things further. If this episode was helpful, please leave us a review so other unapologetic moms can find our community. Every reviewer is entered to win a monthly prize for merch and all different goodies. For more information and resources, visit our website at unapologeticmotherhood.com. That's it for now. You got this.